Hey everybody, welcome back to Black Belt or Bust. I'm Misty. And I'm Keely. And today we kind of wanted to, well, we say we'll keep it short, but sometimes it runs into like 45 minutes. We ramble. Or an hour. It happens. Yeah. Uh, But today I wanted to talk about something has happened. It, well, it hasn't happened within the jiu-jitsu community, but it's where white belts are as far as chaining things together or remembering the stuff that they're learning you know when you're rolling sometimes your technique you forget all the stuff that you learned when you're rolling it's like whenever not brand new students because you know like how we've talked about the four levels of competence like you don't Mm -hmm. know what you don't know yeah and so a lot of it has to do with You've been in there a little bit, so normally mm-hmm. maybe it's like around six months, eight months, around that kind of time frame, where you're starting to recognize things, but then when you actually start to apply them, it's like your mind goes blank. Yes. Or we call affectionately, David calls them guppies, where you yeah. can remember one thing, mm-hmm. and that one thing, at yeah. all, ever. So... To kind of keep it a little bit more structured and organized with this episode and things to follow, I noticed that when I hit my six-month mark, it was like up until that point, I was still getting smashed. Everybody was tapping me out quickly. I I felt like I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't going to give up, and I wasn't feeling like there was I wasn't learning anything. I just was patiently waiting for those those moments to happen. Yeah. Um, but my six-month mark was when I started tapping people out. It was when moves, my muscle memory was starting to kick in. I was doing things I didn't think about. Mm-hmm. And that comes along with drilling. And the more you drill, the more you're going to end up doing things kind of like out of nowhere. There's times I've been able to pull off a submission on a side I I rarely drill, and I'm like, where the hell did that come from? But to keep things more organized, creating flowcharts like you would in a science class. Yeah. When you're learning cycles of... You know, I think when I think of, like, a flow chart, I think of, like, plant reproduction cycles and, and stuff like that. That's, like, the one time, like, we really did a lot of flow charts were biology. But jujitsu can be the same. So it's either, like, a flow chart or a jujitsu tree. Mm-hmm. Something where you're creating branches. I get that. The biggest thing is yeah. just ha- identifying how you learn best. Mm-hmm. Because we've even had some instructors for different things, whether it be academic or dance or something like that. And how they teach is different from how they learn. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say when you teach others, it helps you learn. Not day one brand new white belts teaching white belts. Yeah. <laughs> that is the... I understand whenever you've been around the block as a white belt and you're trying to help other people with simple stuff. Yes, I encourage that. But when it's a technique that you yourself don't understand and aren't doing all of the steps to, don't try to teach it to somebody else because then mm-hmm. it's like the blind leading the blind and then the upper ranks have to fix it and it's a little disastrous. Yeah. If you hit a moment where you're like, I don't know what's going on, just admit it. Don't keep going down this pathway of I'm going to wait till it's a disaster before I ask for help or our instructor is like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Right? 
Um, so identify how yeah. you learn best. And some people are very visual. I'm a very visual learner. Like you can tell me something. My brain isn't going to absorb. I can be listening to you and paying attention. Mm-hmm. But you tell me to recall what I just heard. I can't do that. Right. I really can't. I'm very visual. When mm-hmm. I see something, I can remember everything. So recording techniques is a huge thing because when you're in the moment in your class and you always like always ask if you can record um, what you're learning. Yeah, each instructor yeah. is different, mm-hmm. especially I know some people want to record things at seminars. You need to ask the permission of the person hosting the seminar as well as the owner of that gym if you're visiting a different gym, if yeah. it would be all right for you to do that because most of the time they're like, well, we've got these instructionals and all mm-hmm. of these things that they're also trying to market and sell. So it's not always kosher to be able to do recordings. Yeah. Um, if that is the case, after the seminar, you can always grab a buddy and record yourself doing the techniques. Yes. And then you can follow up immediately being like, was this right? Yes. Because that is you and your friend recording the technique of yourself rather than recording that instructor. Yeah. But by doing that, you may miss a few of those details. Yeah. And... Like with the like with me being a visual learner and seeing something, when I started out, I could see something and remember it. Sometimes I had to walk my partner through it to reinforce what I just saw. And that wasn't me telling them what to do or being condescending. It was just more like, this is what I saw be done, so this is how you do it. It's mm-hmm. like, it's really weird because I have techniques I still struggle with doing myself, but I could guide someone else through a technique Mm -hmm. i can't do it but for some reason i'm like oh you're supposed to do this 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 and this then they get it and then i do it myself and then someone comes over and they're like no you're doing it wrong and i'm like okay but that's just how i learn and how i understand my brain takes in material and information well and when you see it as you're doing it wrong sometimes it's not necessarily you're doing it wrong it's more of, at your rank, what is acceptable in terms of the detail required for the movements. Yeah. So it might be, if you perform something, it was like, all right, that white belt version of yourself, that was above and beyond what they should have done. Yes. And now, since you're getting closer from the blue to purple, it's one of those, all right, we need to clean up these details a little bit more. So whereas if you were drilling with a white belt, something would have been acceptable. Yeah. And now that you're becoming more of an upper rank, it's like, all right, let's just kind of tweak the control a little bit, add a little bit more detail, add to this finish, especially because you're smaller. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily, oh, this is wrong. I mean, David words things a lot of the time where he's like, you're doing it wrong and you feel like a dumbass. And it's one of those where it could be a technique. You've like, I've done this for five years and now I'm not getting it right. Yeah. And all of a sudden you feel like a dumbass. But if you notice, normally it's something small. Yeah. And it's because of other external factors as to why you needed to do this. Where it's like, oh, if you do your hand here, it doesn't matter right now in the drill. But if you do this during a roll, you actually just gave them a submission. Yeah. So sometimes those details are more so if he's thinking of the bigger picture rather than just the drill you're working on. Yeah. And I'm starting to see that more and more as I... I've gone through white and blue. Like, there were so many things as, like, a white belt I couldn't do, but I pull off in a roll easily now. But it's because I've done it a hundred times. But when you're, you know, a white belt and you're really in this, you know, when you're when you're doing jujitsu for six months, 
<laughs> you feel like you've been doing it a while. Like you're like, oh, I'm good. I can, you know, I'm really good at jujitsu. And then it's like, you get halfway through blue belt and you're like, I feel like I don't know what jujitsu even is. So when you get to those points, you know, when you have your experience and you're rolling and you're like, why can I tap anybody? Or I'm forgetting everything I'm learning. You know, you have to be, give yourself grace because you're going to be learning a thousand different techniques and, you know, hundreds of ways to do these techniques. So your brain's going to take in what it can and then you're applying it during your rolling. So for me, what helps is I know the techniques that work for me. I know what I really like to do when I'm learning a a new technique in class, you know, I drill it in class, but I also take time away from class to work on the stuff I'm not good at, Mm -hmm. right? We've spent plenty of time outside of the classroom breaking things down. You know, we did that today. There are techniques I can do all the time, but then it's like I'm doing specific training or rolling and I'm like, what details missing? Why am I not finishing this submission? Or where's my next transition and the transition after that? Mm -hmm. So when you're brand new to this and you're a white belt, you really have to understand that the timeline for jujitsu is so long. If you want to stay in this for the, you know, you want to train as long as possible, you're, you're hitting this, these moments of application to what you're learning. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not really working to apply it via specific training, um, rewatching techniques, breaking it down in your head, you know, and then using specific training and rolling, that's where it's going to get lost. Right. And I, I agree with everything you're saying. I just mm-hmm. feel like we've kind of skipped a step. Okay. Where Which you've, step am I? you've gotten so far into the like, all right, we've, <laughs> we've already know to do some of these like note taking and recording yeah. and stuff like that. But what about the people who are very much like still identifying because Especially for people who were immediately going into the gym four to five days, Mm -hmm. maybe even every single day, maybe twice a day. By the time you get to that time point, like you're saying, you're like, all right, I can start identifying what works for me and all that stuff. And I see even now, especially on social media, where there's still maybe the six to eight that they haven't gotten in as much. Mm -hmm. And there's still, or even I know a couple individuals that I have worked with where it's almost three years in and they still are having trouble remembering some of the techniques that we've been going over and over and over. So I think first and foremost, if we make like our little tree for just this episode where the first is identify how you learn. So you're a visual learner. Yes. Right. You've identified that by being a visual learner, you need to see things. So by Mm -hmm. doing recordings and the flow charts that visually helps you. Yes. All right. So, but what about the ones that aren't visual learners? I am to an extent, but I do better by feel. So yeah. by being the uki or by asking your coach, professor, upper rank to perform the movement first mm-hmm. so that I can feel what it's supposed to be like. Um, I also record videos, but I don't necessarily record videos to watch them mm-hmm. so much as to listen to David talk again. Yeah. I, I, I do audio and feel. Those mm-hmm. are the best ways that I can learn. Um, and then in terms of textile and writing, if that is the best way for you to learn, getting a journal and writing out the techniques – 
we're coming up with little mantras. So uh, before I do have a jujitsu journal and I filled that up way too fucking quickly. <laughs> it was really cool because it was divided into like open guard, closed guard, sweep, stuff like that. Yeah. Loved it. Filled it up way too quickly. Wasn't about to shell out more money to buy more. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of different ones on the market right now. And there's also like different planners you can use for your jujitsu goals as well. Something mm-hmm. to look into if you're a writer um, or just using a cheap planner. Like a day by day, like what technique did you work that day? Write it mm-hmm. in like a generic planner you can get from Walmart or the Dollar Tree, right? Yeah. So maybe for you, it would be write out as much in as much detail as you need. Meaning for some people, it might be like five words. Yeah. For some people, it might be like two paragraphs. For the same person, it might be write it down the first time and every time you write it after that, it gets shorter. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's whatever works for you. If it's a combination of all of these things, that's great. But I think especially up in that, like, beginning is identifying how do you learn and also identification of positions. Yeah. How some people, they still don't know this is back control, this is mount, this mm-hmm. is half guard. Maybe just being able to identify the positions you're in. Because if, if you tell me, I'm getting in this weird spot a lot, and I'm like, there's a lot of weird spots in jiu-jitsu, yeah. especially once you add inversions. <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of it, even up to that time point, would be identification. Because some people are like, yeah, this is this. And you talk to them and you're like, actually, no, it's not. Yeah. I don't think you understand where you're at. And then they kind of fight with you because they're like, no, I know it's this. And it's just like, no, it's not. I'm telling you right now, it's not. (laughs) Go talk to our coach. Um. And then all of, everything you said. Yeah, like application of everything. Sorry, I like skipped over all that because I was like going through that, the timeline of things that I like, I found that worked for me. But what a lot of people don't do, because you and I have both worked in academia mm-hmm. and we've also gone through our own education. The things that we have, I feel like there are ways, Ways that I studied and got through college that I'm now applying to jujitsu to learn. Mm -hmm. So it really is how you're participating in class. And then, because if we're going to kind of put like a, uh, not a scholarly way of looking at this or an academic way of looking at it, but like math, for example. So an example of that would be like math. Okay. Let's, let's compare math and jujitsu. And when I'm, I was working with students to help them get through math classes, the ones that, and I, I'm going to put in quotes, people that aren't good with at math, I don't think anybody is truly bad at math. I just don't think we're really truly taught the way to succeed in math. Mm-hmm. People don't practice it. And they'll be in class and they'll sit and it's like, oh, I understand what was going on. I, I get that part. You study it in school in you know class be it so just like drilling right Mm -hmm. and then you bounce you know you leave you go on with you know your life and then you come back to your next class your instructor may be teaching the same thing or they've moved on to a completely different technique Mm -hmm. so you're like oh yeah let me do this and then you bounce and you go back again and then you're rolling and your body's just like oh shit have you ever taken a test and that's what happens too? You're like, I see all these numbers, but this make, doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It's all practice. You have to go through that every day. And it's hard because I know people don't have access to their gyms or their uh, academies 
outside of the classroom to where they can practice their jujitsu. So it's mm-hmm. things like being at home watching videos, replaying things in your head and those those flow charts to make sense of everything. Um, because our brains can only, you know, do so much. Well, there's that. And then I think there's also a negative to having such a wealth of information to be able to go to. Because what some people don't realize is that they're like, oh, this great tutorial. I'm going to drop a bunch of money on it. And I'm going to learn mm-hmm. everything on it. And then they start listening to it and they don't understand half of it. And then they get frustrated because they're like, I didn't learn anything from this. It's like, yeah. no, you were just not at a point in time that you have a like fundamental understanding of these things to understand these little details. Yeah. That's why it's so much is because they're going over like the finite details Mm -hmm. for maybe this particular attack and submission or position, you know, these are the finite things. So it's like, you need to take a step back and be like, do you understand the concepts they're going over? Mm -hmm. So how you talked about academia, you know how we break everything into chapters where the chapters should ideally get harder as you go along. Mm-hmm. I think of it in the beginning, you always have an intro class or intro subject where you just are able to identify everything. So like we were talking about identifying not only how you learn, but those positions. So yeah. maybe like your first chapter is like identification. Yeah. All right. And then maybe the next one is let's start to break into some of these concepts. For example, what is a sweep? Mm-hmm. What is a guard? Then you can start identifying different types of guard. What is a takedown? What is control? You know, and then as you start to break into each of these things, the next thing could be, all right, from each of these positions, what is a submission? Mm -hmm. How do I start to do them? How do I start to identify them? What are my options? All right. And then you get to the point where it's, let me start connecting these concepts. And I think that's really where you start to have the shift from white to blue. When you start connecting the concepts and connecting the submissions and the different positions that you can be in and be able to escape, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and escapes are their own thing. Yeah. And the defense behind everything. Yeah, because you start to learn techniques and understand, and then it's a matter of timing. Mm -hmm. So rolling, that's why rolling and specific training are so important Mm -hmm. because you have to time movement. So when you watch people compete at the white belt level, it's, and I, I don't want to use the term like, oh, spazzy white belt, or it's so spastic, but it's explosive movement. You can bra- you can really see what's going on. Blue, you still have a lot of aggression in those bigger movements, but it's a little bit more controlled. And then you get to purple. It gets a little bit tighter, um, you know, and then you have brown and then black, like we've mm-hmm. talked about. You can watch... Watch some black belt world champion matches. Some of them, and this has come from a black belt's mouth, that they can be pretty boring because you're sitting here watching and it's like 10 minutes and then someone wins by an advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're seeing these changes in how jujitsu progresses really when you're watching a tournament and you're watching the different belt mm-hmm. ranks. Um, same thing with super fights. When you watch, if you can watch a fight to win and you see how they, you know, they'll have... The lower belts go up first, and then black belts are usually towards the end. Watch how those movements change and how they shift. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. watch the composure of the athletes themselves and how that also changes. Mm-hmm. Where especially at white belt, it's like, I don't know. And you're kind of like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. You know, like you're a deer in headlights. You really are. And you think either hold on for dear life 
or let me just flop on top of you yeah. and see if it works. Yeah. You know, it's, there's, there's no real body awareness. Mm-hmm. I feel like how we just kind of laid everything out. That's just the technical aspect of jujitsu learning the techniques themselves when there's also another component. So that's the physical component, but there's also the mental component mm-hmm. where can you keep your developing that calmness Yeah, to be able to think about what you're doing, you know, especially for those of you that are interested in competing adrenaline and adrenaline dumps are a big thing that can influence how you are actually going to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, especially from white to blue, you are emotional rollers. Meaning, if you have a bad day, we know. Yeah. If you have an upset day, we know. If you have a great day, we know. If you don't like somebody and you really don't want to roll with them, we also know. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I've seen also some upper ranks that are very emotional rollers. Everybody has their day, but I'm just saying, if it's nine times out of ten, I can tell how you're feeling based on how you take it out on your teammate. Yeah. That's how I classify you as an emotional roller, and that can be something we expand on later. Um but Misty's pointed out where a lot of this is how are you starting to connect the information? Yeah. Not only in the physical sense, but in that mental sense yeah. and emotional sense. Yeah. Well, if you, and I, I tell a lot of our white belts this too. I, I tell them, I say, you are given a load of information. You are learning so many new techniques. So many different sweeps, so many different submissions, different escapes, different passes. I always say stick with the ones that you truly like and feel not easy or simple, but the ones that you really are drawn to. See, and I full on say simple. Yeah. I say you don't need to do if, okay, so if you have the option between two sweeps, mm-hmm. where one is a two-step process and one is a 10-step process, which one will you fuck up less? The two-step, because probability, like, probability, right? Yeah. If you only have two steps, you're more than likely to achieve those two steps than the ten steps that you could really, really fuck yourself over. Think about the dummy sweep. Everybody gets caught in the dummy sweep, or the simple sweep, whatever you want to say. Every, from white to black belt, people always get caught in that stupid, but it, it, that's, it's so simple. And if you watch a lot of the black belt matches... They use the simple techniques. They don't mm-hmm. do flashy shit. Like, when I think of flashy and flying, I think purple. Yeah. I do. That's when everybody's, like, at the end of blue, beginning of purple, sometimes into late purple, depending on the individual. All of a sudden, they're like, I'm going to do all these Imanari rolls. I'm going to do a flying triangle, scissor takedowns. They try to do all this shit. Yeah. It's unnecessary. You can want to. That's fine with you. If you choose to do it, if you are highly proficient at it, good for you. Congrats yeah. to you. I'm not taking that from you. But I'm just saying for the majority, those are unlikely. Yeah. Especially if you can achieve the same things utilizing simpler techniques. Yes. Yeah. So keeping, I mean, keep it simple, stupid really just applies throughout jujitsu um but that's not to say that nobody can really pick up an advanced technique but but the more simplistic you keep it the easier it gets to transition to various things Mm -hmm. and i think what happens is when we're going to class and we're learning so many different sweeps we're learning so many different passes we're 
all these things are ways to get into submissions, it can feel like an overload, but the thing to remember is it's optional on the information we really want to keep and retain that's going to work. And that's it. That's not like, obviously like shrimp's technical standups, like we all need to know those things. But what I mean is like, if you see two different ways to get a sweep and you're like, I actually prefer that one. That's the one I want to do. Or if there's one that makes sense for your body. Yeah. So like Misty and I, we're not too different in terms of our proportions. However, weight difference Mm -hmm. and also flexibility difference. Mm -hmm. Misty may choose to do something. So she may choose option A. I may choose option B. There's nothing wrong with either option. No. Both options can be efficient. Yeah. We just personally choose different options. Yeah. Um, one thing that Sophia told me that really helped with the way I was doing things was she told me, she said, pick your A-game sweep and your A-game pass. So once I was like, okay, this is the sweep I, my highest probability sweep, this is my pass, I really worked on those. And then once I really felt like, okay, I can always abandon (laughs) The thing that I'm trying to do and always go back to the thing that I'm good at. Mm-hmm. But when we're going into our rolling, when you are rolling, let's say, with someone who has less experience or a lower rank, try the new things. And then once you're going with someone that's like a higher rank or around your rank, you're getting ready for a competition, keep working on the things that you're good at. Mm-hmm. But when you really want to chain things together in a roll, in your mind, prior to rolling, you need to say, these are the only things I'm going to try to do today. Mm-hmm. Don't think you've got to transition from, like you said, an Imanari roll to like Delahiva to then X and then just like all this stuff. Say, mm-hmm. no, I'm only going to work X guard. And my two X-Guard sweep transitions. Because mm-hmm. if one doesn't work, i got to try the other. So, and, yeah. and to be completely honest, it wasn't until I got my blue belt that I ever even really did X-Guard, single mm-hmm. leg X, stuff like that. So I know, especially like that time frame we were talking about at around middle, maybe end of white, depending on your own journey. No judgment, right? So many people are like, I'm thinking about competing. Or people are saying I should compete. Or people are saying I need to figure out my game. And they're like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. It can be one of two things. Whenever somebody's asked me before, especially a couple of like the, our white belt females that are competing for the first time, they're like, how do I develop my game? My question is, what do you play most? So your game can be mm-hmm. influenced on your surroundings, meaning what do people put you in the most? So what are you forced to do the most? Because at the end of the day... What you do most is what you will default to. Yes. How some people, like a week before competition, are like, I'm going to learn this new thing and I'm going to hit it. That's not true. You're going to hit when your brain doesn't work. You're going to hit what you do most. Yeah. Not what you do most recently. Well, you saw me do that in Atlanta. I, like, I was so tired and felt like shit, but I kept going back to the same guard. Exactly. And the same suite because that was the only thing my body, it was not performed great but it was like i just kept going back to it right and that's the same thing i tell them too at the gym and when they're trying to get ready for competition i say go where you're comfortable 
Go mm-hmm. where you go to the most. I say, don't think about anything else. I don't want you thinking about anything else. Right. Well, especially at white in the beginning of the blue, it's you need to do what your body's already doing. Mm-hmm. You need to go on autopilot. You need to go to that, to what you are already playing naturally. Yeah. Because once you start getting to blue, purple, brown, black, that's when we can actively tell ourselves to play a new game. Yes. You know, in the beginning, when you don't know a lot of different things, you're going to keep going to the default. So especially at that time point, your quote-unquote game should be what you're already doing. Capitalize on what you are doing, but don't only focus on that. Like, I understand in terms of, like, if it's comp season, focus on that game. Mm -hmm. But all the way around, you should still be progressing and implementing new things Mm -hmm. so that you do continue on your journey throughout the belts. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say too, and I think we've talked about this before, we do this thing when we're rolling where we get to a position where we're like, okay, I need to stop. And then we'll say, David, what do I do from here? Because I get stuck here all the time. That's where we troubleshoot. So if you're at your gym and let's say you are a white belt and you're rolling with a purple belt and they get you in a position you get in all the time, I recommend stopping the roll and saying, hey, I always get here, I always get stuck, or my guard always gets passed, or this happens. Say, what do you like to do from here? What is something that I can do, or what am I doing incorrectly? Communicate with your the partner that you're rolling with. That's if you are also in the place and time at which to do it. Because mm-hmm. I know in some circumstances, so say if you are coming to a role class where it's like, all right, all these people are getting ready. Yeah. Small talk during the roles is very frustrating. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a very There's good exception. Point There's but exceptions. But like if you're at an open mat, I recommend this at like yes, an open mat. Yes, Or before or after class. Be like, yes. hey. Or even if it's, especially in the beginning, how sometimes it can be intimidating to be at, like ask an upper rank to roll with them. Maybe before or after to be like, hey, this has been happening to me quite frequently when I roll. Can we roll today and afterwards talk about it if mm-hmm. I do the same things Yeah. so that they can get a feel so that you're not interrupting the roll? Because there's, there's days where if you need to stop and us talk about it, it's fine because we, we got the vibe. Yeah. You know, we set the tone of the training. And then other days where people just stop to talk the whole time and yeah. I'm sitting here like, we, we haven't done anything. Yeah. Like, get no. it. <laughs> Not with you. <laughs> no, but it's like, just fucking recognize, get somewhere. <laughs> recognize those moments, but as a white belt, you are not there to prove that you're good. You're not there to prove that you know what you're doing. You're there to learn. Mm-hmm. And if you're surrounded by up, upper ranks and you're in the proper time and place to say, hey, can you help me with this? Mm-hmm. Um, Especially if it's like a smaller class, yeah. a little bit more intimate in terms of being like, hey guys, because I know how a little bit ago you were talking about all right, practice a new technique. Like, if you're going to implement something new, go with somebody lower than you. You may, st- at that point in time, you may still be low man on the totem pole, and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, who the fuck is newer than me? That you can keep yourself safely, especially a lot of women were like, hey, yeah, even though I've been here a couple more months than this brand new guy who may be a D1 wrestler that's come in, you don't know, or just a guy a lot larger than you that's relatively fit that tries to muscle everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some women do this as well. I've had brand new, like spanking brand new women come in that don't know that I've been around the block for a little bit and that are larger than me that get so upset mm-hmm. because they don't understand 
why they can't beat me. And uh, first, the question is, what do you define as beating? Yeah. How, like, what do you define as winning? That's yeah. like a it's whole conversation with them. But then also, it's not you shouldn't be able to because I fully believe anybody can get anybody at any day. Yeah. You know, some people have good days. Some people have bad days. You know, some people just really understand things, right? So somebody's going to get you. But if you don't, why are we upset about that? That honestly proves, hey, jujitsu works if you can't. Because if you walk in and in six months you think that you're the best ever, then why would you want to do this the rest of your life? That's what I say all the time. Especially like, why are you when surprised? See people come in and they're trying to show that they have something to prove. And in my mind, I'm like, if you feel that you can come in and whoop everybody's ass. Why the fuck are you here? Why are you here? This is a learning environment. And when you're going with people like that, and if you're st- you still feel like you are, you know, you're six months into this. And you're like, I don't know anything. Go where you feel the most comfortable mm-hmm. to keep yourself safe, like you said. But then you can be with people you trust 100% and you're like, I'm going to try some new stuff today. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But that's how people get better. And there are two um, high-level athletes that I've spoken to or, well, one I've spoken to, one I've watched like his – like a video he posted on YouTube talking about this, you will have high-level athletes that will go into an open mat. They'll get tapped by people who aren't as good at, as them because they're working. They're 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 trying to get their competition game better. Mm-hmm. So when you're getting tapped by doing something over and over again, like you're trying to work the same guard and you keep getting passed, or if um, you end up getting tapped out because an escape didn't work, the more it happens the more you realize why it's happening. And, you know, when I heard those two guys talk about, like, you you know, everybody wants to win that day when they go into, you know, their role day. You're going to have someone who comes comes out of work, comes mm-hmm. to class, they're going to want to tap everybody. Um, but it's they're like, if you're going to compete, you need to go in and you need to test out your sweeps, your submissions, your passes, and if you lose that round, you lose that round. Like, that's the mm-hmm. point. Like, you don't have to win everything. I was like, this is the best, like, advice and perspective that I've received because it really eliminates your ego, mm-hmm. especially when you're wanting to work on the things you need to get better well, at. And then that goes right to, again, we're talking about that timeline and the frustrations because people are like, it doesn't work. Jiu-jitsu doesn't work. Yeah, no. I see that. No, I was like, what? What happened? I, I don't confused. know why I whispered that um, podcast. Sorry, we got to go fun. teach a class. but And uh, yeah. we can wrap it up real quick. And there's like two main things I think about that. Is the first being during this time, everybody gets so frustrated. I can't tell you the number of times I've had a white belt come up to me going, Keely, this doesn't work. And I'm like, well, you tried it two whole fucking times. Yeah. And it, it was wrong when you did it. And then all of a sudden you gave up and you went to the bullshit you were always defaulting to. Mm-hmm. And yes, I'm calling it the bullshit. Right? I mean, I'm going to be honest about it. It's, you don't see a lot of these upper ranks that have failed at this one movement 
over and over and over again, knowing that they're going to get passed, knowing that they're going to get smashed, knowing that they're going to get submitted if they fuck up this movement. Mm -hmm. And they keep going to it in a roll over and over and over again. During that time frame when you're newer, it doesn't work once and you're like, I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. But once you start realizing you have to fail over and over again to do it well and to do it correctly. Well, there's something that I've noticed too, and I've only really noticed it in our gym, so I can't speak for everybody. I have seen a lot of athletic people come in where this comes very easily to them. Yeah. They're able to pick up a technique, drill it perfectly. They don't stay within this. And what I've noticed, and the reason I've no, I, I, I'm almost thinking that I can identify it is probably not true, but this is my theory, is when you have someone like that, or if there's someone who's like a perfectionist or things come easily to them, let's say they do a move on someone that's been there for five years, mm-hmm. right? They do this. And that move fails. It hits their ego hard and they don't really stick with this or, and obviously some people have other priorities that are elsewhere that they don't need to be training. But I've noticed a lot of people that this doesn't come easy to that will try and will try and will try and they're still there. Mm -hmm. They come on the hardest days to train. They are losing rounds and losing rounds and they're asking questions. And those are the people I have seen stay the longest. And I don't, the ones that are staying the longest or keep getting in this is because like, like for me, stuff doesn't come easy for me. Mm -hmm. I have to practice. Well, I firmly believe dedication outweighs natural talent Mm -hmm. because a big thing and you, you hit the nail on the head where it's the natural talent don't realize when they have to apply themselves Mm -hmm. or they haven't had to. So they don't know the tools to apply themselves. So all of a sudden they think, oh, it doesn't work anymore. I'm done. Yeah. They hit a wall. Yeah. Because, Whereas the people who don't yeah. understand it have already had to apply themselves over and over and over again. They know the tools that they need to do this. So they already understand failure as part of it. Natural talent does not. No. And there are people, we do have some people though that have the talent, the dedication, and the hard work that mm-hmm. they're just like... Phenomenal. You know, growing and turning into really good um, jujitsu practitioners. But if this isn't coming easy to you and you've only been doing this for a few months, don't give up. Try to apply different ways of learning, um, asking more questions. So maybe you're, you feel like you've hit a wall, but you haven't asked anyone for help. If there are people um, there you feel like you can trust and you can ask for help, um, talk to them. Because this is a skill. Jiu-jitsu is a skill. Skills take practice. They mm-hmm. take time. They take dedication and work. Uh, just like, you know, when you're learning an instrument, you know, you're doing math. Math's the same way. Um, or any other physical um, activity. It's all those different things because it, it's hard. Jiu-jitsu is not an easy thing. I think every, every single one of us who do this sport have hit a wall gone through you know our tough moments but you've got to push through and it's figuring out what's going to work but i know that these were some of my tips i wanted to Mm -hmm. offer that have worked for me well and it kind of going back to what you were saying of figuring out what works for what works for you that can always change Mm -hmm. and it could always 
also be different from what you've done before. Like how we talked about we were in academia. All of our classes, we didn't do the exact same thing to remember that material. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you had to change it up a little bit. Sometimes you had to shake it up depending on the amount of material. So just like jujitsu, sometimes you're like, man, you know, the video's just not working for me. Like I need to go drill this with a partner who knows Mm -hmm. how to do it. You know, sometimes even in jujitsu, we need to switch it up a little bit. And asking questions, like you said, is, is amazing. Yeah. And I think one thing that we can kind of end on would be, and we hit a little bit on it, is when are you actually applying what you're learning? Yes. So many people I talk to and will learn a technique in class and then we'll immediately roll or do a situational. And I don't see anything we just learned. And all of a sudden we're back on our bullshit. Uh-huh. And then they're like, well, why isn't it working? Why am I getting, not getting better? And I'm like, well, you're not actually implementing what we're learning. You keep yeah. going back to your default. Um, especially in the very beginning, it's bad, yeah. right? So whenever we learn a technique and we are given the opportunity to immediately apply the technique, why are you not? Mm -hmm. I would get so frustrated. There were multiple times where I would be trying, like I would immediately try to use the technique and a guy, especially those that were stronger than me, would just blow through it and do the same bullshit they always did and I would get hurt. And -hmm. I would always be so mad because it's like I'm actively trying to utilize this new material and you just want to win. And yeah. it would be situationals where it's like, what are you going to get out of this? I'm half your size. Like, what do you feel out of this? Anyways. Well, that's why I tell the kids. Because <laughs> we are wrapping this up. And I tell the kids when after we've rolled or done specific training or prior, I'm like, nobody's going to win a medal today. If you beat no. your training partner, you beat your training partner. I'm like, you're not winning a medal. Or the kids will come up to me and they're like, I won. And I will tell them to their face. I say, no, you didn't. <laughs> Where's your $5 medal? Not <laughs> you today. Didn't get a, you're not getting a medal today. So uh, that's what I wanted to, you know, talk about. But, but yeah, yeah, so ultimately during this very annoying time, identify how you best learn. Identify the positions and be able to recognize them because if you can identify and recognize it helps you in terms of your learning Mm -hmm. and then be patient like misty said give yourself grace there's just so many things that are going into this time that realize it's not just that physical technique that you are learning it's also how you are doing mentally and emotionally Mm -hmm. that can influence your journey yeah and injuries happen circumstances in life happen pandemics happen so if you feel as though you are behind the curve, you're not because each individual is different. Yeah. Each individual can be provided the exact same material and take something different from it. Yes. And that's fine. Yes. Yep. So and I think that's it. Um, thank you for supporting the podcast continuing to listen and we have stickers we have stickers now so if you want to support the podcast message us and we'll get it set up yeah on instagram black belt or bust our email is ladies of black belt or bust at gmail.com you can message us i'm trying to figure out uh prices for the stickers but they won't be expensive it's just another way to support us if you can um thank you for listening love you guys Bye. bye